All right, so good to see all of you today in church. Who's glad to be in church today? Anybody, anybody? Of course you are. So good to see you. Welcome to week number four of a season, not a series. I'll tell you more about that in just a second, but we call it Summer at Highlands. And I want to just take a second and say hello to every one of our locations. We are one church that meets in many locations all across the great state of Sweet Home, Alabama, and also bringing this Uh, Not only the message, but all that we are as a church, the small groups, dream team, uh, all that we are as a church into 19 of Alabama's Department of Corrections facilities. So glad you guys are with us as well. And for those that are watching somewhere around the world, so glad you're along for the ride. How about a big hand clap for them, everybody? Come on, say hello. Come on, you can do better than that. Come on, say hi to them. God bless you. Good. All right. So normally we do series, we'll take a topic and hang out on it for four weeks or so. And, but during June and July, we have a season that is really focused around some events that build you, your families, uh, our cities. And uh, so during that time, we don't give you a message series, we'll give you individual messages that just kind of align themselves with where we are during that season. So last week it was Father's Day, I brought a message to men, I'd love for you to hear it. Today, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about our children because we have an event that's starting tomorrow called Summer Blast. It's basically our version of a vacation Bible school, and we're expecting more than 9,000 little ones to converge on our campuses. And by the way, 2,700 Dream Teamers to serve them. Come on, how about a hand clap for them? Thank you for that. And um, so 12,000 people participating in Summer Blast, where they'll have crafts and games and worship and the Word, all with the goal of helping them understand their identity in Christ. That's this year's theme. We don't want the world defining who they are. We want God defining who they are, right? And so we're going to make sure they get that inside of them. And I'll tell you more about that in just a second, but I also want to give you my take, even though you already saw it in the Highlands News segment, that three weeks from yesterday is the next event, really, and it's called Serve Day. And it's the only day that even if that's not your thing, we ask everybody to participate. I would love for you to grab the little white sheet out of your worship guide, jot the date down, plan on giving us three or four hours. Most of the projects are somewhere around that amount of time. If you have a project, you can register it. But we have, we built a Serve Day app that, by the way, more than a 1,000 churches are using this app. We gave it to them for free. You paid for it, but we're serving other churches where you can go online and it knows where you are, the app does, and then tells you the projects that are closest to you, tells you how many people are needed in that project, and then when you sign up, it reduces the number down so that we don't end up with projects with too few people or too many people. It's a genius idea by our technical team uh, that we have white-labeled, meaning we took our name off of, and gave it away to all these other churches so that literally we think more than 100,000 people are going to be serving in some community around America on that day. So praise God for that. Thank you for your generosity. Yeah, how about a hand clap for that? It's good. And so it's a pretty cool deal. So, But I would love for you to set the date aside and just plan on being there. And again, the easiest way is is to use that little app. I want to talk to you today a little bit about this generation, primarily today about our children, but also our students. Uh, I'm concerned. I'm concerned about the culture that we all live in, and I'm concerned about the the choices that they're going to have to make in this really increasingly, in my estimation, ungodly culture that our precious little ones have to be raised in. And uh, and honestly, when I start to think about it, I get a little discouraged. I have five children uh, that, that are now aged 22 to 30, and honestly, raising those five kids was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. 
I mean, leading this church is way easier than just raising five kids. Can I get a good amen from the parents, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. But especially just in the cultural things and the things that are available to them. And now I'm, I tell you, I'm even more concerned about my grandkids. I have five beautiful grandsons. And, uh, and just the, the, the things that are really that they're going to have to face, uh, it has me on my knees a lot. And, it, it, and my mind was uh, brought to the passage uh, in the book of Nehemiah where Nehemiah was wanting to see the nation of Israel rebuilt after the Babylonian exile. They're coming back to a place that's devastated by an ungodly culture, and they start rebuilding. And I love what he said here in Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 14. He says, after I looked at culture, after I looked over the country and looked things over, I stood up, which is what I'm trying to do today, and said to all the people, the congregation, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is, come on, everybody, great and awesome. And say the words in yellow out loud, every campus, here we go, and fight for your families. That's what we want to talk about today is how, how are we going to fight? What is, our, what is going to be our fight strategy? And here's what I want you to catch if you catch nothing else, and that is we cannot, whether you have kids or not, we cannot be passively sitting by the side and letting culture have its way. Can I get four more amens in the house? Yeah, I thought so. Your sons, your daughters, your wives, your homes. No, no, you got to actively fight. You have to have a fight strategy. Uh, we, we, we have a generation now of young people, age 4 to four, 24, called Generation Z, born 1995 to 2015. Uh, there are 74 million in America alone this age group comprises one out of four human beings on, the planet, on planet Earth. The statistics about this generation are alarming. Spending more than four hours a day on screens, but more disconnected than ever before, isolated and depressed. We also see among the church-going Gen Zers that more than 60% of them, according to the current trends, are going to, by the time they get out of this age group, are going to have left church, not stayed in church. That two out of three may not even believe in God whatsoever. Only 3% of this generation are even reading the Bible, much less know what the Bible says. So it's alarming. It's, it's headed in the wrong direction. And honestly, that's on our watch. Now, I'd like to think that we have a very solid youth ministry and children's ministry here but this kind of woke me up, and it's made me just say, you know what? we got to make sure it's good. I don't want to get to the end of our time of raising our children and students and realize we, we could have done more. And I've been thinking a lot for more than a year now. I've been working on this thought and this plan. In fact, we're not completely done. By the time we get back in school, we're going to unveil what I'm calling Highlands Kids 2.0, just a, a, a fresh strategy to one that's really already awesome and having great results, but really want to help our students grow. And honestly, if you know the truth about it, that's what I'm thinking about you all the time. We're working on our grow track right now. We, we never stop working on ways to grow you because you cannot sit, look at me, look at me. You can't just sit here, come once in a while. No, no, no. You're, you are destined to grow and to get better and to receive all that God has for you. Now, when you look at Jesus during this age group, we, unfortunately, we don't get any verses. So he was alive. We get, the, we, get the, we get the Christmas story, 
We get him, uh, we get just a couple of verses of him uh, slipping into the temple at 12 years old. And then the Bible is silent until he gets baptized at 30 and starts his ministry. Now, we would really love to know more, but we do know one thing. There's only one verse that describes when, when this age group for Jesus' life, and it's found in Luke chapter 2, verse 52. In fact, we have an internship program for high school students and college students during the summer so that they're not just sleeping late and doing nothing, and we call it 252. And it comes from this verse right here, and there they are right there. What's up, 252? All right. But Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, favor with God, favor with man. If you ever wanted just a growth strategy for yourself, there it is. So if you just want to grow, so you know what, I'm, I, I need to grow. You need to grow in wisdom. That's what's going on inside of here. You need to grow in stature. And I'm not just talking about how much pizza you eat. Come on, somebody, right? We're, we're growing in favor with God and favor with man. I want, to, I want to break those down for a second. Wisdom, wisdom is way beyond just the intellectual. It's what goes on in our minds. And the key thing there is, is to make sure we guard our minds, that we're, we're, we're gauging what comes in, and we're making sure the wrong things don't and the good things do. And you have to be active about that because now we have instant access on smartphones that are putting stuff in our heads that we all know is not good for us. It's just not good for us. And then instead, we'd actually be, need to be very intentional about what we, get, what we allow to come in our minds. And that's why coming to church and reading your Bible and doing all those things like you're doing today, congratulations, is so vitally important, especially in our culture today. I'll tell you more about that in just a second. But Jesus also grew in stature. And this is way beyond the physical. It's not talking about how tall he was or if he needed to lose weight or not. It meant his inside being, his character, his stature. It's, and I think the best way to grow if physically or in your stature is in your daily disciplines, developing disciplines. I thank God for my parents. I really do. My dad's in heaven. My mom is actually in North Louisiana uh, at a homecoming of all her relatives where she has generations. Her great-grandparents are buried in the cemetery where my mom right now is having lunch. And it's a beautiful thing. But my parents were in church every Sunday. And we, I grew up like... We, just, we, we never got up and thought, what's everybody want to do today? No, if it was Sunday, we was going to the house of the Lord. If we was sick, get a bag, you're throwing up at church. I mean, we went. <laughs> if we were in Montana on vacation, dad found a Baptist church. We went to church. I mean, I'm, I'm not lying. I've been to a Baptist church in Montana. <laughs> what was he doing? Well, keeping the disciplines so that we don't walk away from it whenever we get out on our own. And I'm proud to say I'm, I turned 56 two days ago, and I still ain't missed church, y'all. I'm, I'm, I'm still in church, right? So well, you work here. I was going to come anyway. Come on, somebody, right? Disciplines, disciplines. But he also grew, Jesus grew, in favor with God. Of course, that is spiritually. But it's even beyond just spiritually, like, well, I read my Bible, and I believe in God and prayer. You know, the best way to vibrantly grow spiritually, I'm just trying to give you a growth plan, is to discover your purpose. See, the, the most vibrant part of your Christianity is going to be finding out what God has for you to do and connecting with him and then letting him empower you to go do something that changes the world. I promise you, take my word for it, you've never had the most fun serving God until you're doing the thing that God called you to do. And it's a vibrant way to have a spiritual growth going on in your life, which is why we have a growth track. 
And then finally is favor with man. Of course, that's beyond just social interactions. It's being very wise in who your friends are going to be and who your friends aren't going to be. And I put on here, choose our friends. Young people aren't going to like this. Parents, take my word for it. Don't let them choose. You help them choose. If you got to, choose them yourself. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, young people. I'm just so sorry. But what we don't, you don't always see clearly. And friends, you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. It's a key thing. This is how Jesus grew. This is how you're going to grow. And that's why we have small groups, and that's why we have a dream team. All that's found in that growth plan right there. But as I said, I, I, about a year, a little over a year ago, I really begin to be stirred. And I know when I'm being stirred in my spirit versus being stirred in my mind. And I heard the Spirit of God say, get with our children's team, get with our, interview some parents. Let's, let's, let's take this to another level because I think culture's taking it to another level. And so I got with our children's pastor and our teams and got with, we, had, we put together focus groups of parents. We talked to people on the outside. And I'm happy to say to you that we are unveiling a plan that we're going to release in about six more weeks, right before school starts. You'll get a print piece on it to give you all the details because your parents need to know what your kids are getting. I'll give you the highlights. Just, I'm going to give you the appetizer right here. We will still have engaging Praise and worship, so when they come to church, they're going to love God and love church. Vitally important. But we also realize, especially talking to parents, that there needed to be a little bit more consistency in who is in the children's church service with them. That they, they wanted to and desired to build their, their, their social network around their church people and not necessarily sometimes in other places. And so to do that, we were going to create a facil and facilitate a way for them to have smaller environments, not only with the kids, but also with the parents. And so basically what that's going to require is you need to do something for us and we'll do something for you. And what you need to do for us is come to the same campus at the same service time as many Sundays as you can. And in return, we're going to make sure the same kids and the same parents and the same teachers are in the same place so they can actually have not just big services, but real relationships. It's going to be powerful. And so, that's, so we're, going to give you, we're going to give you consistent, we call them small group leaders, but we're talking like Sunday school teachers. I had, a, I had consistent Sunday school teachers growing up, and more than we reflected on that, like I had Mrs. Frazee as my third grade Sunday school teacher. She so impacted my life that well into my college years, I went by her little shotgun house in North Baton Rouge every week to be with her just to tell her how much I loved her and thanked her when she was shut in and couldn't go anywhere because she so impacted my life. And so we're, we're, we're raising up uh, 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 Sunday school teachers, if you will, and small group leaders and people who are going to serve in children's church, which, by the way, today is step four of what we call the Highlands Growth Track. This is the step in the process. I just need four Sundays, not your whole life. Four Sundays help you get connected to a local church, find your spiritual gifts in week two, let you understand what it means to be an influencer because God calls you to a higher level to be an influencer and then to find a place to influence and to serve. One of 31 different places, that's what's going on today. And I've had people from time to time say, Pastor Chris, I've looked all over, can't find what's right for me, and I have never gotten involved. No, 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 you need to follow your spiritual gifting. You need to do the thing that's interesting to you. Well, I'm going to break that rule right here, right now. Just one time, just one time. And that is, if you haven't found a place and you don't know where to go, I am going to tell you where to go. Go get involved in this children's church thing. Go, go be one of those leaders sitting in that little huddle with the same kids. Like, we'll, go, we'll give you the same kids, same families every week. And watch how you'll be the Mrs. Frazy. They'll visit you whenever you're old and shut in your house. Come on, somebody, right? 
because that's the impact you can have on a little one. It's critically important. We've also realized that since 3% aren't even reading their Bible, that we've got to ramp up the memorization of God's word. We've got a, we've got a, we've got a detailed plan of how we're going to do that. And in which year, first grade, second grade, third year, that they're actually going to, which verses they actually are going to memorize and know in Bible stories that they're going to know front, front and back. And then give them, right now we give the same themed lesson to all the groups. We're changing that. And we're going to do a graded curriculum. So if you give, it to, you give them to us at first grade, all the way through sixth grade, we can tell you all the things they're going to know and it's going to advance appropriately with their age so they have age-specific learning and they're going to know God's word inside and out and their character built in Jesus' name. Sound like a good plan, everybody? Yeah? So we'll give you more of that. We're going to give you more of that in a few weeks. I'll give you a print piece on it. And by the way, I wasn't going to do this, but but you say, well, what about the teenagers? Are you that intentional too? We have been for, for the longest time. I just never told you. I'll, I'll give you a snapshot because I don't have time. Just 30 seconds worth. But I have personally trained all of our student pastors and student leaders at all of our locations. And we have told them, hey, whatever you preach, teach, camps, conferences, make sure seven themes happen in their hearts and in their minds in every small group and in every sermon every year. Every year. Every year, give them Authentic faith, spiritual priorities, moral boundaries, meaningful friendships, wise choices, others first, and how to respect God-given authority. You give us your students, this is what they're getting every single year. We, we believe in this. It's very intentional. But today, I want to close this service, give you the last part of this service by saying something that all of us can do. In fact, I want to deputize every single one of you, every one of you, to be a bit more intentional in the life of little ones, especially little children, but I'm talking about even our teenagers. So I don't have any teenagers. Yes, you do. You, you, we're part of, hey, we're part of a family, are we not? This is a church family, and those are your little kids. Those are, those are, those are your little kids. This, we, all, we all belong to each other, and I need your help. This generation needs your help. And trust me, they, they, they say of Gen Z, where our generation, kind of the boomer generation, desired lots of information. We were the information age, that they're tired of it and that they want people. They don't want answers. They want, so, they want interaction. They want somebody to talk to them and believe in them. And this lie called social media that's anything but social has raised up a generation of lonely young people. Come on, God needs us. We, God needs us all. And I can't train all of you in children ministry, in student ministry, in, in a 10-minute that's left or 15 minutes left of a sermon today, but I can give you one tool that all of us can use at work tomorrow, at home today, at the restaurant you go to, to the person sitting next to you, and that's your words. Words have power. What little ones need are, are, are words. Words of life, the tongue has the power of life and death. That we literally can bless them, speak to them, say the right things. And I'm going to tell you, the people in your family are longing for it. In fact, I had prayed, and I can't do it, so the Holy Spirit's going to have to. I prayed, Holy Spirit, when I give this portion of the message, convict us all of our careless words, our harmful words. And by the way, if you need forgiveness He's one sincere prayer away from washing all your bad words away and giving you a second chance. Come on, somebody. We serve a good God. But I was reminded of that because of this verse in Mark chapter 10, 
People were bringing little children to Jesus. You know the story. They were jumping up in his lap, which, by the way, that means Jesus could not have been what the movies portray. I mean, there was no way Jesus was malnourished and sad, and, mm, mm, like the movies show. And the movies, no. If kids are jumping in his lap, he had to be, he had to have candy in his robes. Come on, somebody. What are y'all talking about, right? Because they were jumping in his lap, and they wanted, the parents wanted Jesus to, to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked him. No, the master's got sermons to preach. He's got stuff to do. And when Jesus saw this, he got mad. No, stop that. Stop that. And he said to them, let the little children come to me. I want you to have that as your theme verse. Let the little, no, no, you see them. Don't, don't, oh, Lord, there's some noisy kids in the restaurant today. No, no, no. Let the little children come to me. We're going to do something different. And do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it, Jesus said. And he took them in his arms, and he placed his hands on them, and he blessed. You know what that word means, blessed? The word blessed in the Greek means he spoke well of. His words. I want to give you six words you can speak over children, teenagers, college students, coworkers, spouses. Like we get, we get our words right. I mean, your words can change your world. I mean, third verse of the whole Bible, Jesus looked at a formless, void, dark place and said, let there be, God said, let there be. He, he, he literally, of course, he's God. He was able to create it into existence. But you know what? In a way, you can create your world by what you say. Your home looks like your words. Let me say it that way. Your work looks like your words. Highway 280 looks like, no, it's going to go there. All right, so. Because <laughs> I'm under conviction when it comes to that one. All right, so I'm going to give you six words. I'm going to give you six words you can speak, and I want to encourage you, train you to speak these. Write them down if you're taking notes. And if you're not taking notes, write these down, all right? So here we go. And that is words of praise. Now, I'm not talking about the kind of praise we give to God. He alone is worthy of that. But the word praise means to highlight the qualities of that person. Like, find the qualities inside of them so we know what you're not. And I'm honestly, we're too busy saying what people are not. Parents, don't tell your child what they're not. They know what they're not. They need to know who they are. So when they do something wrong, don't say, let me tell you what you did wrong, and this is why you did it wrong, and this is why you're wrong, sir. No. Instead say, I know this is what you did, but that is not who you are. Let me tell you who you are. I'm telling you, you got to flip that. Proverbs says, a word aptly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. We say words that are both beautiful and valuable. Say the right thing, like praise them. I have five kids, you guys know, and five grandsons, and my five uh, kids, very smart children. I mean, just they were, all did very well in school, except for one of them, right? So one of them, I did all the homework myself. Parents, where y'all at? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And I won't tell you which one it is, but his initials are David. All right, so that's who it is. <laughs> I mean, the brother just didn't like school too much. And, and it was a lot of pressure because the other kids, Sarah's real smart, and Michael, Michael's really, really smart. I mean, he made a 33 on his ACT, got a full-ride academic scholarship to Alabama, entered Alabama as a sophomore, did his undergrad in three years, got his MBA. I mean, like, I didn't pay a penny. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right, so it was, it was, just, it was just wonderful. A lot, a lot of pressure on David. Now, he's next in line, and the brother don't like school at all. 
And it kind of, I, I just like, you know, come on, man. I urged him. I tried everything I could. But I started to notice, like, everybody wants to play with David. If the door was knocked, young or old, didn't even matter if it was the other four's friends, can David come outside and play? Why? Because he's fun. And he can gather. And honestly, whatever he said goes. He could get people to jump off, a, he could get 30 people to jump off a bridge with him. I mean, he's got that kind. So I just decided one day I wasn't going to put the pressure on him to be what Michael was. I mean, Michael, Michael's so smart, he drive me crazy. He came home, he came home from uh, the, the last day of high school with his report card. He said, look, Dad, look, 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 we were all in the kitchen. He said, look, 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 all A's again. He said, I never made a B in my life. I said, that ain't nothing. I never made a B in my whole life either. Get on out of here. <laughs> I don't need to talk to you. Because <laughs> honestly, I was David. I'm David. I'm, I was a C student on my best day. But brother, I can gather people. I can talk to y'all and get you laughing and loving Jesus. And that's David. He's got that anointing on his life. And now I'm just speaking it over him. And he's fulfilling his potential. Because I'm going to tell you, it's, it's no need highlighting what they're bad at. Praise aptly spoken words. Give them gold, everybody. Come on, somebody. Here's the second one, and that is thanksgiving. I'm just talking about thank you. Say thank you. Can we just put those words in our vocabulary more today? So like when you go out to eat today, if a restaurant made it and, and the server comes, thank you. No, I don't have to do that. I'm giving her a gratuity. No, no, be not. Thank you. That's why we come into church. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, when you're with your spouse, hey, I just wanted to thank you. If the dad pays for the meal, the restaurant you're going to, whatever, just don't assume that's what dads do. Hey, dad, thank you. I know you worked hard for this. Thank you. Now, he's going to pass out, pick him back up, and say it again, all right? (laughs) Come on, man, am I right? That's right. I, I I don't need my kids to do anything, but I do want them to be grateful. That's all I'm asking for, really. I'll, I'll do anything in the world for you. Thank you. Are you ready, parents? Don't complain about your kids. Thank God for your kids. Because the Bible says they are a gift, a reward. You've been such a good boy, I'm going to give you David. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Other day, I was in my study. I do most of my study at home. I've got a beautiful home office. And I was just studying, and Tammy knows when the door's shut, I'm, I'm, I'm in deep thought. Like, of course, she can come in anytime she wants, but she knows to kind of be a little sensitive to the fact that I could be praying. Or, or, and I get studying, and if I'm in a thought, i got to finish it, or I'll lose it so fast, make your head spin. I mean, so, so she, I, I heard the door, and, and, she, and, I, and I looked over my shoulder, and she just kind of peeked in, like, is, is this a good time? And I was studying this. And normally, I have to be honest with you, my normal response would be, hey, come back a little bit later. I'm in the middle of... And I thought, man, I'm, 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 I, need, I need to be, I need to practice my own messages. I said, come on in, darling. And she started, she just wanted to cover a detail about, you know, lunch or something or going somewhere. And, I, and she, so she said, hey, I just wanted to ask you about, I said, whoa, 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 wait. Thank you. She goes, what, what, what for? I said, just for marrying me. Thank you for being my wife. I'm so grateful to God. How many of y'all know it was a good day in the Hodges house? Come on, somebody. <laughs> I ain't got five kids because I'm good looking. I don't y'all know that right now. Yeah. Say thank you. 
Here's the third word, and that is words of affection. Not just thank you. I'm shocked at the number of people who can't express, I love you. It's like it's, it's shocking to me sometimes. They can't, they can't say, I love you. I had, a, had a pastor in training here for a number of years, and he had been in a wounded situation, and he came here, and we just took him on staff for a couple of years just to train him, always to send him out to go plant his own, his own church in another state. And he came, and I, and I knew, I couldn't figure out what was going on really with him, but, but I don't, you know, I'm very expressive with, bro, I love you, man. And he go, he'd always go, okay, appreciate it. <laughs> and I didn't notice for a while, like months. And it dawned on me one day, he ain't never said it back one time. So I said, bro, I love you. He goes, yeah, thank you, I appreciate that. I'm like, why can't you say that you love me? Because you know I do. Why can't you? And I know you love me. Why can't you say it? And he started bawling, crying. And all these wounds came out of his heart. And, like, and I said, brother, you, you are not going anywhere until you can tell me you love me. Like, I'm going to know that's a sign. Now, the, now he's planted one of the largest churches in Indianapolis. I mean, he's exploding. They're getting ready to move in their very first building. They're doing it just like Highlands. It's, it's, I'm so proud of him. But, I mean, he starts every text with, hey, PC, I love you, and I want to know, and I love you. I mean, it's, every, it's everywhere now. <laughs> he's healed, and he and his wife both are healed. I'm so proud of him. But I'm going to tell you, you've got to be generous with affection. I love you. I love you. I mean, God the Father did this. Jesus and God the Father talked every day. You know that. The Father and the Son talked every day. Unfortunately, I say unfortunately, the Holy Spirit knew best. He wrote the Bible. Man held the pen, but God wrote the Bible. And so, so the Holy Spirit decides only to give us the conversation twice. So what the Father was saying to his Son. So if we're going to learn from the best Father there is to how he talks to his kids, you're going to learn from God the Father. But unfortunately, we only get the words. Only, there's only two places where the words are given to us. And that's at Jesus' baptism and at the transfiguration of Jesus. And in both places, the words are the same thing. They're the exact same thing. And it goes like this. Here's the baptism. At that moment, heaven was open. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on Jesus. Now he's in the water. And then all of a sudden, the Father spoke a voice. Hey, fathers, let your voice be heard. Mothers, let your voice be heard. This is my son, whom I love, and I am very well pleased. I found out my kids want those three things from me. You're mine. I love you. I'm proud of you. They want acceptance, affection, affirmation. By the way, let me say that to you, because I couldn't be more proud of you. You don't even know how good you are. You are serving more than 11,000 churches with free resources because of your generosity. We build buildings with cash. We train students. And why? Because you're just the best church ever. We have 24,000 of you serving on the Dream Team, 2,700 at Summer Blast this week. I am so proud of you. So let me say something to you. We are family. Come on, everybody. We are family. You are my church. I'm not talking about mine. It's like, it's all of mine. We're all, this is my church, and I love you. In fact, there are probably a few people, maybe no one, that loves you more than I do, that thinks about you more, cares for you, prays for you. I love you, and I couldn't be more well-pleased. Hey, say those words. I got to get going. Number four is encouragement. 
words. Like just in, take discourage and encourage. The Bible says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only the kind of talk that is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it might benefit the listener. So what do you do? You find discourage and you build. I was a youth pastor for years. Had, I, I, I had this um, girl who would come into our youth service an hour early every week. Bobby Patterson sat on the back row, sweet as could be, but very much not involved. Wouldn't clap, wouldn't sing, wouldn't engage, didn't take any notes. It was terrible. And so she, she, but she, was, she was there all the time. I guess her mom served somewhere. She was always there. I was always early setting up chairs, kind of getting ready for youth group. And in comes Bobby Patterson. Back row, sits there, folds her arms, waits for service to be over and leaves. Sweet, but not involved. I decide this one particular week, I'm going to march myself back there with a speech I had prepared to tell her to light a fire and say, come on, man, take some notes. Worship God, you heathen dog sinner. Let's go. You know, and um, that was my rehearsed speech halfway back to going to tell her that. Uh, the Holy Spirit said, I don't think that is the speech you're going to bring. And I got there, and I, I was getting ready to say, hey, come on, let's go. And, and I heard myself say, you know what I love about you? You're the first person here. You are the most faithful person in the youth group. And I walked back and said, that is not the speech I ever heard. That's <laughs> not it. It's a true story. Next, next Wednesday night on the front row worshiping God. She just needed to be encouraged. Some of y'all are telling somebody what they should be doing, and you ought to highlight their qualities and love them and encourage them and watch what happens as you build them up. Here's number five. Gosh, I need to do a whole series on this word because culture's gotten vile. We're so stinking opinionated, and it's okay to see things differently. By all means, have your own opinion, but don't. There is no place to be mean about it, and I'm calling it out of the Facebook world Instagram and Twitter world. Y'all, the world's just not nice anymore. Like, settle down already. It's okay to disagree, but a gentle answer turns away wrath. Harsh words just makes it all worse. Can I call us all to some kindness? Don't need to be bullying up in our homes or our jobs. Let's get kindness back. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Full of God people are kind people. I'm going to preach. You're going to hear another message on that soon. Here's the last one. Are you all getting anything out of this today? The best words you can speak is the last one I give, I'm going to give you. The best words you can speak is this last one, and that is prayer. I'm asking every one of you, I'm asking you, if Highlands is your home and I'm your pastor, I'm asking you if it's at a mealtime or whatever for the next three days for you to pray for over 9,000 little ones that they have an encounter with God and a life-changing experience. Pray for our 2,700 dream teamers. Ask God's presence to be on this. I need your prayers on summer blast. Look at me, look at me. And then I need you to pray. 15,000 students showing up at the Legacy Arena, at the BJCC. We've got to fight for this generation. I need you to intercede and pray. I need you to pray for the, the kids and the teens, the people around you. My first prayer every day is for my children. I pray for Sarah and Dustin right here on the front row. And they're Jackson, Andy, and Ethan, their kids, and then Michael and Katie. And 
little Rhett and David and Ashley and Riser and Jonathan and Grace getting married this week. To God be the glory. And then little Joseph, you know, just praying for God to continue to heal him. And you've got to fight for your family. So Chris, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to say. I want to leave you with this one verse. Because when Jesus was just a few days old, Mary and Joseph brought him to the temple to be dedicated. By the way, we don't baptize babies. If you have been baptized or christened as a child, that's fine. But it, but it, but it was a dedication. You still have to choose Jesus. Every baptism in Scripture is post-decision. So we baptize believers. We dedicate babies. And if you have, it's beautiful. Nothing wrong with it. But you need to be baptized again after you choose Jesus. And then, but, you, but all of our children need to be dedicated. We do that every second Sunday. You can register in our children's departments. I have a child I want to dedicate. We'll, we'll, we love, it's a formal dedication. But Jesus was dedicated, just was a few days old, by a guy named Simeon. Look what he said. He blessed them, the baby, and the parents. And he said, this child is destined. Let me tell you, the greatest blessing prayer you can pray over your children is their destiny. Let me say it this way. My greatest prayer for you is your destiny. When you find what you're on this planet to do, watch how your problems diminish. They don't go away. You're just not noticing them. Your destiny is the key to your happiness. Your destiny is, is the key to your heart fulfillment. And that's why I said, I pray that this child is, who is destined to change the world, would, it, that it would be in the mighty name of God the Father. And I pray that over you right now and over all these kids that are coming tomorrow. Let me pray for you that their destinies, come on, just receive it, that they find what they were created to do, to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Their destiny. Now, if you are as convicted as I am about these words thing, then just join me as I pray. If, you're, if you want to join me, just in your heart, join me. God, we are sorry for careless, reckless, harsh words. God, for even the words we didn't say that we were supposed to say. We missed a moment to bless a little child. And so, Father, we repent. And we're going to leave this place today saying we're going to have words of praise, thanksgiving, affection, encouragement. God, we're going to pray we're going to bless. God, take our words to our spouse, our coworkers, our kids, the teens. God, we are going to be people who bless, who speak well of, just like Jesus did. God, bless our little ones over the next three days. Let their lives be touched powerfully by you. Now, I'm going to invite all of our campus pastors to the stage. Pastor Blake, come on and join me. And I want to let them minister to you. But I want to pray. If you're here today and you are under the conviction of God, you're a Christian who's under conviction because you know your life's not right with God, or you're not a Christian, or you don't know what you are. It just, I just feel disconnected from God. You ready for this? Same, same principle. Whoever confesses with their mouth, Jesus is Lord, will be saved. Your mouth is powerful. So I'm going to help you with a little prayer right there where you are. Just whisper it right there where you are. If you're under conviction, you need to get your life right with God. Say, dear Jesus, I am sorry that I've wandered from you. Today, I'm coming back. 
And I ask you to forgive me. Say that. I forgive me. I give you my life. Now let's confess what the Bible says to confess. I believe you are the Lord. You are the Son of God. Say that. And I believe you died, were buried, and you rose again. And today, I put my faith in you. In your name I pray. Amen.